Hey family, it's Pastor Travis and I am so excited about this week's message. Listen, you need to turn up your phone, your car, however you're listening because it's about to go down. I pray today you are inspired and that your faith is increased. If you want to partner with the awesome vision of Forward City Church, go now to forwardcity.tv slash give to get involved. Hey, I love you. Remember your past is gone, your future is waiting. So prepare to move forward. Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent. You're going to memorize this scripture by the time we're done with this series. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away. Calling it, help me, the tent of meeting. He pitched it to me. Anyone inquiring of the Lord will go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud will come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance to their tent. Man, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. As one speaks to a friend. Lord Jesus, breathe on your word. We're here for you. We've praised you. We've shouted. Now, Lord, we pray that you would minister to our hearts. Praise opens up our heart to receive your word. I thank you that we'll be transformed in your presence. Teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You ready to jump in the word? Give my title to three people. Tell them this. Tell them this. He's closer than close. He's closer. Closer than close. Closer than close. Closer than close. Hey, there were uh, a bunch of people that got baptized last Sunday. Come on, man. Come on. A bunch of people got baptized. I said a bunch of people got baptized. I'm so excited about that. And um, I didn't know until afterward, there were a thousand people here last week. 250 people were in overflow. So I'm not sure. They didn't tell me until afterward. But can we make some noise just in case there's people out in overflow today? Let them know we love them. This means y'all been inviting people to church. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, we're in a series called Tents Over Everything, and this series is an invitation to pitch our tents again, as we read in the scripture. Moses would pitch his tent. This was his meeting with God last week. How many of y'all were in the building last week? Hey, if you didn't catch it, go to podcast or YouTube. I preached a message called You Don't Want to Miss This, but the message was literally about what we need to do in order to encounter God, the intentionality of pitching our tents. First, we must break away to meet with him. And the Bible says when Moses would pitch his tent, when he would go in, the presence of God will come down. Well, today I want to take it a step further as I'll be doing every week. I'll be building on the previous thought. But this week I want to take it a step further and examine what actually happened inside of the tent. The Bible says that the Lord would speak with Moses face to face. And there are several implications to this thought. The first one is very simple. The fact that the Lord actually desired to meet and speak with Moses. That God enjoyed his company. Can I tell you something? God enjoys your company. And the devil knows it. So he will try everything in his power to distract you from meeting with God. He wants to get you to skip the meeting. It's not new. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. And the Bible says she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Come on, Adam. You ever read that before that she didn't have to go search for him? He was standing there. So he already dropped the ball from not covering his wife, for not covering his family. And I'm so glad that we got men up in Fort City who are rising to the occasion of covering their home. Come on. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. They had always been naked, but now they just realized it. 
They've always been naked, but now they just realize it. So they sewed fig leaves. Look at them trying to make some Gucci. They sewed fig leaves together, made coverings for themselves. Then the man said to his wife, he and his wife, the Bible says they heard the sound. Don't miss this. They heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God was like, it's too hot to be down there fooling with y'all right now. I'm going to come when it's look some shade. So he came down to the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Hey, hey, whenever God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. A question from God is always to get you to admit something that he already knows. He says, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, wait a minute, Adam. Wait, 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 wait. Who told you you were naked? Who told you something that I didn't tell you? What report have you entertained and embraced? Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Check this. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The first penalty of sin, the first consequence, don't miss this, is the enemy being after your innocence. So God arrives to the meeting with full intentions to meet with Adam like he does every day. But Adam hides why? Because of shame. You can't miss this. God knew that Adam ate the fruit, but he showed up anyway. Can't just read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. God is not a God that would throw you away. It is their shame that caused them now to run away. He still showed up. Man, two verses after they ate the fruit, God showed up. This next praise ain't for everybody. Because some of y'all was born on a communion table. You was Holy Ghost filled. Your first, your first words were not mama. They were in tongues. I'm not talking to you. But for those of us who have a past that we're not proud of, but we got a God that we are proud of, that know that the only reason you up in this church on Two Knots Road on a Sunday morning after all that you had to overcome is because even after your mess, God still showed up. Holla at your boy. Do you, come on. Do you understand that you serve a consistent, dependable, faithful God? He still showed up. And what this means, thank you media team, y'all jumped the gun, but what this means is that God still wants you. The fact that he shows up literally is the proof that he still desires you. Oh man, he still, this is good news everybody. He's still after you, even when people leave, he's a God who shows up. Come on, tell somebody he still wants you, he still wants you. Now the God who showed up in the garden here in Exodus now shows up in the tent. He shows up with full intent to get up close and personal. That's a bomb right there. When he comes, he comes to get up close and personal. He's not a distance God. He comes to get closer than close. He meets with them face to face. He is Jehovah Shammah. He is present. He is there. He desires to get close. So now the problem is not the desire of God wanting to be close. The problem is, is it your shame that's keeping you from allowing him to get as close as he wants to get? Closer than close. Can you fathom how exciting and intimidating it must have been to meet with the Spirit of God face to face? I mean, that means there ain't nothing hidden. You know, I stopped wasting my prayer time with trying to fill God in on stuff that I'm going through. <laughs> I used to do that. But if you, if you do a journal, journals aren't just for ladies. If you get a journal, it'll change your life. My wife's been journaling for years, and I'm like, ah. No journal, I'm a grown man. The Lord said, boy, get you a journal. I pulled my journal back out. It had been years. And I got there, and I was having time with God, and I went through a little something, and I was about to tell him about it. And God was like, really? He said, Travis, either you can spend this time telling me what I already know, or you can humble yourself enough to get my interpretation. Because I'm not as interested in the one who offended you. Can we get to the root of why you're offended in the first place? Oh, snizzle snap. Come on here.
closer that God will get all up in your Kool-Aid. He'll get all beneath the surface. He'll pull back the sheet. Ain't nothing to hide when they get closer than close. Because, see, you can fool everybody else. But when God comes, he comes for the real. I feel like preaching. Can y'all help me tell somebody he's closer than close? And he will meet with you face to face. The Bible says that Moses will pitch his tent. He'll pitch his tent. And the Bible says the cloud will come down. I wish we had special effects like Michael Todd. But the cloud will come down. The cloud will come down and hover. I'm the cloud. Hover in front of the tent. The cloud will stay at the entrance of the tent. You read the same scripture I read. Yet the spirit of God will meet with him face to face. So the cloud was not his presence, it was the vehicle. And as the cloud descended, the Spirit of God would step out of the cloud and stand there and meet with Moses face to face. Come on, tell your neighbor, it's time to get face to face. It's time to get face to face. 2020 was a wild year because face to face interactions were at an all time minimum. Everybody had masks. Some of y'all in here now with masks. Some of y'all at home watching online, sitting next to your kids with masks on. You, I don't know what you've been this weekend. You got a mask on looking at me right now. Masks kept us safe. People in the clubs dropping it and raising it up with masks on. People falling in love with folks they had never seen before. Jacobs, Mary, and Leah everywhere. Women in the gym giving their heart to men just because they have muscles. Arms like Mike Tyson, face like they've been hit by Mike Tyson. But you couldn't tell because everybody had a mask on. It was the year for the rise up of the no teeth game. You could get whoever you wanted because we couldn't see you. Mask everywhere. Everywhere, mask, mask. There was weddings with brides and grooms with veils on. I don't trust you. Mask everywhere. Last week, my wife has a habit of just putting stuff on my calendar. <laughs> she don't tell me till the night before. So I'm up hanging out, just having a good time. She said, by the way, you got a... Uh, Doctor's appointment at 7.30. 7.30? God ain't even up at 7.30. <laughs> I went to the doctor. This is a true story. A few days ago, I went to the doctor. I walked in. Went up to the desk. I was like, you know, it's early. Green. And the woman looked down and said, green. Travis Green? I was like, yeah. It's early. You want a picture? What? <laughs> she was like, no, nah, actually, I need you to put a mask on. We in the... <laughs> This is the doctor's office, Travis Green. You're not above the rules, all right? So I had to put my mask on. She gave me one. She's like, you got a mask? No, girl, I ain't got no mask. Here go your mask. I put the mask on. And I thought about it. The reason she wanted me to have a mask on, because it's probably safer outside than it is at a doctor's office. Because at the doctor's office, there's all kind of fomites, just all kind of stuff, just bugs and, and, and all kind of diseases and coughs. And if you're there, you're supposed to be there. I wasn't sick. I was there for a checkup. My wife signed me up for it. Other people there were sick, so they had me put my mask on. Let me tell you the good thing about masks. Masks keep you safe because it keeps you from catching what someone else has. You ready for the flip? Here we go. This is why we got so many talented and gifted, unprepared people. Because we've been taught to meet with God, but we've never been taught to take our mask off. And as long as you remain hidden in your Christianity and religion, how are you blessed and highly flavored? No, you're not. Y'all don't even get up. Y'all cuss each other out the whole way to church. But you walk in holding hands. You want to make sure you take a picture and make everybody think that you actually a happy Brady Buck family. Y'all don't even like each Y'all don't even sleep in the same room. But church has taught us to keep a mask on our face. And here's the problem. As long as you keep a mask on, you'll never catch what the Holy Spirit wants to give you. That's why we got so many sanctified holy mean Christians because you don't have the fruit of the spirit in your life because you never caught what he got <laughs> calm down Travis. it's too early it's too early it's too early tell somebody it's time to get that mask off God 
is raising up some people who are down with unmasked worship, who would say, God, such as I am, I don't have it all. That's what I love about Forward City Church. You don't know who's sitting next to you. It's somebody on your right who's righteous and somebody on your left who ratchet. This is a church for everybody. realize it is impossible to get fixed or to change without being real and here we are doing church and remaining in the same cycle of issues for 20 years you can preach your back out but you also addicted to pornography and you ain't got nobody to talk to because we're supposed to act like we got it all together this ain't supposed to be Halloween trick-or-treat this is supposed to be the real thing where we can come to God Adam and Eve naked and say God this is me I still mess up I still cuss a little bit I smoked yesterday but I need your Holy Spirit to do a work in me that I can't do it myself. Are there any people in this room that's ready to get unmasked? He's calling us back to face to face. Face to face. And it ain't new. The Bible says that Adam tried to mask himself. He said, "Uh uh-oh, I'm exposed now. I got to try to hide. I got to try to cover. I got to try to pastor myself. I got to try to cover myself. He assumed that God didn't want to meet with the real him. I need to take a commercial break right here to tell you it is a lie from hell that God don't want you just because you got issues. It's a lie. He proved it in the first mistake ever made in the Bible. He still showed up. He wants you in spite of you. As a matter of fact, he knew you would mess up, so he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He does not expect for you to be perfect. If so, you would have been the unblemished lamb. He knew you would mess up but while we were yet sinners Christ died for us is there anybody in this room that's grateful you serve a perfect God who'll cover your imperfections I need you to give him a praise like you're grateful for real here's Adam here's Adam here's Adam for it he he tried to cover himself <laughs> he tried to cover up he said let me just hide Adam you forgot here we go you must have forgot that the only reason You even had breath in your lungs. It's because God had a face-to-face meeting with the dusty version of you. Where my Bible scholars at? And he decided to breathe in you while you were still dust. What did that tell me? That tells me that God is not afraid of my dirtiness. Come on up in this sanctified church. Even when I'm messy, he'll still breathe on me. And the only reason you haven't changed yet because you haven't given him permission. I need a hundred people and a 50-year-old that said, God, here I am. Breathe on me again. I still got issues, but breathe on me again. I still mess up, but breathe on me again. I don't have it all together, but if you breathe on me, I can change. There are some things you only receive face to face. Tell somebody it's time to get face to face again. My mentor, mentor, I got several of them, but one in particular, I love him so much. And he called me, FaceTime me all the time. And uh, he'll call me. And we got this rule, you know, if we FaceTime the other person, you just stop what you're doing. You know, it's only one thing that you don't have to stop if you catch my trip. But everything else, amen. <laughs> everything else, man, you answer the phone. So I call him, he'll FaceTime me all the time, and we talk all the time, y'all. We talk all the time. And when he's speaking to me, man, he gives me so much valuable information. I'm, I'm a good student, so I take notes. I'm like, oh, my God, I can apply that. This is great. This is great. And I get so much information from him when he speaks to me, but nothing replaces when we're together. Even though I get a lot of information from him on FaceTime, when I'm in his presence, when I'm around him, he can say less than what he actually says on the phone, and I get more from him. Why? Here, here we go. Because encounter does not just give you information it gives you impartation for my note takers information is necessary but it's limited it's limited and I can imagine if you use your imagination with me that Joshua watched Moses pitch his tent Joshua saw how Moses did it As a matter of fact I'd imagine that Joshua got pretty good at pitching the tent himself he became a professional tent pitcher Signed up for the annual pitch tinting, tent pitching competition. <laughs> he was good at it. 
But watching Moses was only informative. Pitching the tent was informative, but not transformative. Watch me. Joshua didn't change from pitching the tent. He changed from entering it himself. Impartation is a lot different from just receiving information. See, impartation is a result of resilience. (laughs) The problem is today, so many people want the easy path. And what we've done, those of you who have obtained success, you did a poor job of telling people that it wasn't easy. They just see your reels on TikTok. They just see your little photo on IG. And now we got 16-year-olds with Yeezys on who actually think they did something to deserve the shoes on their feet. No, buddy, while you were playing Fortnite, somebody was clocking in to pay for what's on your feet. How you taking selfies with something you didn't buy? Glimmer does not come without the grind. But we've raised up a generation that wants everything easy. And such it is with impartation. If you truly desire growth, it must be pursued. Here we go. I'm about to get old school just a little bit. This is how I came up. I'm from the 80s, baby. Listen, this is how I came up. If you really want growth, it got to be pursued. It's not the job of the mentor to pursue you. I had somebody take me to lunch one time and say, I just wish, you know, I just wish you, you would just hit me up more. Excuse me? Bro, if I told you five of the things on my schedule today, you would collapse. It's not my job to pursue you. If you want knowledge, the only thing that knowledge respects are questions. Oh, man. Oh, man. And see, the problem is we lack the humility and the meekness to allow anybody to correct us. And so we'd rather remain the same for 20 years as long as we think we're comfortable. Here we go. Because pride can exist with information, but impartation is reserved for the humble. (laughs) We are the most informed generation in history. We got so much information. You're so smart. We had this ancient device back in the day called the encyclopedia. If you're 30 years and under, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Encyclopedia is not a villain from a Marvel movie. Encyclopedia is not a disease to take a Z-pack for. Encyclopedia was a series of books. <laughs> Grayson, play this for me, just so y'all know. I'm not making it up. This is the, this is the encyclopedia, y'all. <laughs> These books were $1,400. These books, if y'all remember back in the 90s, you knew somebody, mama had money if you went to that house, because it was a sign of luxury. (laughs) They had the bookshelf that they brought back from Germany. (laughs) The books cost more than the bookshelf. Encyclopedia. And it's crazy, it's crazy that the same information that took us 20 years ago, 20 years, it would take us, you didn't just, you didn't just look up something in a moment. You had to research everything. If you wanted to know the state bird, you had to get an encyclopedia down. Come on here. And look, you didn't know those state capitals. It was in this site. This was Google. And now... What took us forever to find 20 years ago, you can find in five seconds. You're so smart. Your phone is smart. Your tablet is smart. Your watch is smart. Your TV is smart. Everything's smart. My three-year-old John John is smarter than I was at 13. Isn't it amazing that kids right now, they don't even know how to snap, whistle, or tie their shoe. But they can take your phone, put in a code, and order something off of Amazon Prime. What in the world? Everybody is smart. Information has taken over. See, in the 90s, we just thought all adults were smart. All you had to do was have a driver's license. We're like, well, you're a genius. <laughs> now, today, 
Anything you say can and will be verified by Alexa. They don't believe nothing you say. They can find it out on their own in a moment. Can find out. And kids don't have imagination nowadays. Their imaginary friend is Alexa. You can see John John. He walk around, talk to her like she's a real person. And don't let her not play what he told her to play. I said Coco Millen, Alexa. We're so smart. Information is so accessible. You can get it rapidly. But what has happened is it's made us addicts of convenience. And so now if it's not quick, we quit. If it's delayed, we're discouraged and depressed. If any ounce of correction comes, now we're in our feelings and we offended. And I think it's harder. This is what I believe just because I'm old school. Don't let this outfit fool you. I'm really old school. Listen, I believe it's harder to be anointed today than it was 20 years ago. Why? Because nobody wants process anymore. If you're telling me I can take my own path and still be seen, I'd rather do that than sit down long enough to get an impartation. But God is raising up a remnant, a generation who says I don't just need information I need something on the inside of me that convinced me to tell me no I need the Spirit of God I need impartation and the problem is we're in such a rush now we've lost the wonder of discovery no one wrestles with the word anymore we just Google somebody else's opinion See, I've never smoked weed before. How many of y'all you smoke? No. Okay. I ain't, uh, somebody said, oh, I'm. I never smoked weed, but I heard something about a second hand. So you can get you can get high off contact, apparently. Is that a thing? Yeah, kinda. I think there's too many second hand Christians. That I don't really have a relationship. I just get high off of your encounter. And we're satisfied with everyone else's wisdom. We'll listen to podcasts and act like that's just a word. No, no, no. God is still calling you to get back on your ass your knees and find out what he's saying for you and your household all by yourself. Michael Todd, Travis Green, Stephen Furtick, we are not the Holy Spirit. You have access to get a word from God yourself. But instead, instead of studying, instead of digging in scripture, we'd rather just repeat what we heard someone else say. What, 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 what has God been telling you? No, what has God been telling you? Studying scripture with the Holy Spirit is a form of impartation. This is a form of getting face to face. God. Not just receiving a word from God, but digging in the word of God. Here we go for all my super spiritual people. I got to come down your road too. Because it's actually dangerous to receive a prophetic word without knowing the word. See, we want to put the cart before the horse. We just want everybody, every woman want to be wanting to buy them. I just no more sheets. I just need a word from God. I just, I'm holy. I'm, I'm, no, you spooky. And the problem is, if you don't have the word hidden in your heart, you can't balance what you think you heard with his character. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I have people come up to me and they be like, the Lord said, and I'm listening, but I'm also scanning the word of God in my heart. I'm like, that's nowhere in scripture and God will not compromise his own word. Somebody lying and I don't think it's him. But we just itchy. We just itchy. So you go to every conference or whatever somebody say about you. I just receive. I receive. No, no, no. You got to put it against the word of God. What has he already said? Oh, my God. To really understand what he's saying, you got to know what's already been said. Without knowing the character of God, you'll actually start thinking that the anointing is for you. Oh, that's a mic drop. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. You, you will be convinced that it's about you. 
I know you're convinced it's about you because whenever you're disappointed, you walk away from him. Well, I bet, I bet the apostles would laugh us up out of heaven right now. Imagine walking up to Paul. Yeah, man, you know, the bank told me no, so I just, I gave up on God. I couldn't do it no more. You know, they didn't give me the promotion, so I just had to go. That's why I had to go do it. I went, you know what I'm saying? I went and turned up because I just had. What? Paul would be like, promotion? Bank? Paul would say, hey, cuz, let me holler at you real quick. My boat was shipwrecked. And I grabbed pieces just to get to the nearest land I could find. I got there and started preaching, and a snake jumped up and bit me. Paul would tell you, bro, I done been stoned. Have you ever been? No, I ain't talking about that stoned. I'm talking about rocks thrown at your face. Paul would say, I've been whipped and thrown in a dungeon just for preaching the word. And we talking about a promote. You're disappointed about a promotion. That's why Paul wrote, your, your afflictions are light and momentary. You don't even understand that this ain't about you, boo. And you won't know that unless you dig into the word of God. And you'll, be, you'll have an understanding and a revelation that when he anoints you, he anoints you for assignment. Oh, my God. He decides to use you, but it's not actually about you. It's his word. It's his word. Without his word, your character will be influenced by your own nature and not his. It's hard to walk around saying, well, that's just how I am when you got this in your heart. Because the moment you say that's just how I am, you have to ask, is that actually who he is? See, and that's the problem. Oh, my God. I, can I just go old school just for one second? I know some people offended. Don't leave me yet. Listen, that's the problem. That's why nobody can tell you nothing because you're not used to being corrected. See, if you really had a real prayer life, you'll be used to somebody telling you no. You'll be used to not yet. You'll be used to sit down. You'll be used to that. And the problem is you hear it from a mentor or a leader for the first time and you're not used to it. By the time you tell me, no, I done, I done read it in scripture. He done told me in prayer. We good. Information is free. Impartation will cost you everything. <laughs> Information is free. You can go to school for eight years. That's what my wife did. You can go to school for eight years. Not because she was a super senior, because she's an actual doctor. She went to school for eight years. You go to school for eight years, and, but the information is free. It's student loans, but it's free information. That's not what impartation is. See, impartation is, this is what it looks like. It looks like you're going to school for eight years to get a degree, and you get a job, and God say, that ain't what I called you to. <laughs> impartation will cost you everything. Impartation will leave your family looking like, what you doing? Impartation will leave people think you done lost your mind. Impartation will cost you everything. There's a story about Elijah in 1 Kings 19. I'm going to share a little bit of it with you. But the Bible says he's told by God to go and anoint three different dudes. Here's what's crazy about this. Every guy he's told to go and anoint, God gives them a specific assignment to anoint and impart into them. Oh, man. This is, this is deep, ladies and gentlemen. This means that the anointing always has assignment attached to it. <laughs> he anoints you to be active. Now, watch the Bible, verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha. He found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He himself was driving a 12 pair. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said. And then I'll come, I'll come with you then. Elijah said, man, go back. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him, went back. He took his yoke of oxen, slaughtered them. He burnt the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Watch the Bible. Elijah obeyed God by finding Elisha. But it was up to Elisha to follow Elijah. See, see, Elisha had to make a decision. He had to choose God's dream over his own. 
And to ensure that his only option was moving forward, he personally, watch the Bible, he personally closed the door of his past. He put his resume in the shredder. He deleted and blocked the contacts. It cost him everything. Now here's a similar story in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Watch the Bible. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 21. Jesus looked at him and loved him. He said, one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. He gives him a, return, a guaranteed return. He said, you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. <laughs> you, see the, you see the parallel here? This guy has the opportunity to become a disciple. <laughs> we know all the disciples' names. Only thing we know about this guy is his description. Rich, young, ruler. So he had the information for success. But at a certain cost, he turned away from impartation. Here's a question. What's your price tag? How much would it take to get you to say no to destiny? Impartation will cost you everything. And here's the truth. You'll never maximize on your God-given potential or assignment without impartation. Elijah, Elisha, his dad taught him how to plow out. It was a family business. This was information. But Elijah found him and gave him an impartation. And now Elisha's purpose accelerates and multiplies because of the impartation. There's another story. Jesse, he's taught by David. Uh, he teaches David. He teaches David how to, how to deal with sheep. David knows everything about sheep. He knows how to make lamb chops. He knows how to make jackets. He knows everything about sheep. This is information. But Samuel poured all on him. Impartation. Even though David knew everything there was to know about sheep, he was just full of information. I need you to catch it. Saul's impartation gave David purpose. There are many of you guys here today, you're discouraged and you're frustrated. You have a mask so nobody know it. But you're discouraged and frustrated because you recognize that information is limited. Information has limitations. You got the degree. You did everything they told you to do, but you still don't feel fulfilled. Because the only thing that can answer the question, why am I here, is an impartation. Moses, he was adopted. He was adopted by Pharaoh, and he had Egyptian etiquette. I mean, this dude knew how to do it. He was raised to be a prince. He was educated. But the burning bush gave him an impartation. And now the tent was a continuation of what started at the burning bush. Because impartation is directly connected to appetite. Ask your neighbor, are you hungry? See, see, Moses would pitch his tent and God would show up. And he would have face-to-face impartation. You ready for the definition? Here's what impartation means. It's something being imparted into you that you can't give yourself. (laughs) What impartation is. It's something being imparted into you, something that you can't give yourself. Someone bigger has to give it to you. Now, here's Joshua watching Moses pitch his tent, and that's information. 38 years later, he'd be anointed by Moses, the Bible says, to be the next prophet, to be the one in charge. He'll get an impartation. I love, I love that Moses laid his hands on Joshua, but I also love that Joshua didn't wait for Moses to lay his hands on him. Because the Bible says in verse 11, we're almost done. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. You see that? How hungry are you? Joshua's appetite was stirring for something more, even at a young age. He never had a special invitation. I read the text. There was not, there wasn't like a, a, you know, a text message sent to him, RSVP, hey man, you want to meet me at the tent? No, no, none of that. He was just hungrier than everybody else. I was speaking to a mentee the other day, and I told him, I said, hey, don't wait to get hungry to get hungry. <laughs> By the time you recognize that you're hungry, you're starving. 
And what I want to encourage you to do, this is the only reason I came here today, to encourage you to pursue God. Stay hungry. Stay desperate. Stay at the tent. And I was reading the Bible. You know, you can't just read the Bible. You got you to gotta read the Bible. And I said, because the Bible says Moses would go home and Joshua would stay. Joshua would stay. And I read the Bible and I said, how do you outlast Moses? Y'all, we talk about Moses. We talk, this is Moses, y'all. I know you think you're saved. This is Moses, though. The Bible says that Moses, <laughs> Moses, a few chapters before this, went up in the mountain, Mount Sinai, for 40 days. No food, no water, no internet, no spouse, no kids, no vitamins, no nothing, just him and God. 40 days. That's Moses we talking about. Ten plague Moses. Red Sea splitting Moses. Burning bush Moses. Manna from heaven Moses. Cloud by day, fire by night, Moses. This is Moses we talking about, y'all. We're not talking about your favorite preacher. We're talking about Moses. Moses was no joke. Moses will meet with him face to face. And yet, Joshua didn't want to be left out. <laughs> Maybe he peeked in. Maybe he saw Moses having face-to-face encounter closer and close. And he said, I want, I want whatever Moses is getting. Here's the interesting part, and we're done. Do you know who wrote Exodus? Moses. He wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. This is Moses, y'all. He wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. All right, that's a quiz. <laughs> uh, Ephesians. No. <laughs> Moses wrote Exodus. Moses wrote Exodus. So the one who wrote Exodus 33 verse 11 is Moses. This changes everything. Moses woo, has face to face with God. Walks out of the tent and every day he would turn around and see Joshua not leave with him. This is why we don't really know what happened with Joshua at the tent. Because Moses just wrote down, he stayed. He's a young dude, and he was hungry. That's all I know. Nobody knows what happened at the tent. But ladies and gentlemen, we do know what happened a few weeks later. Can I tell you what happened a few weeks later? Y'all don't want to know. Can I tell y'all what happened a few weeks later? A few weeks later, the Bible says the Israelites convinced Moses because they were doubtful people. They convinced him to send 12 spies into a land that God had already promised them. 12 spies go into the land. 10 of them come back and say, yo, man, they too big. We too small. Ain't no way. Moses crazy. Joshua said, hold up. Joshua said, I don't. We saw the same thing, but we're not seeing the same thing. Joshua said, it's everything that God told us it was. Yeah, there's enemies, but they already defeated. And I asked the book questions. I said, how did Joshua get this kind of swag? How did Joshua get this kind of confidence? How did Joshua look at giants and not be intimidated? It's because Joshua has spent time in the tent. And the only reason you're intimidated by something in front of you that's already defeated is because you have information. But not impartation. Moses taught Joshua how to pitch a tent. But the Spirit of God imparted something into Joshua 38 years before Moses laid his hands on him. That gave Joshua the courage. The courage. Only Joshua and Caleb believed. Out of two million. Do the math. One out of a million. Joshua was one out of a million. I was praying and I felt like the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, Travis, somebody got to be Joshua. I want you to hear me. 
Somebody got to believe that what I said is true. Somebody got to stand in the face of the adversary and announce that if I said it, that settles it. Somebody got to believe. But it will be impossible for you to believe if you skip the tent. The tent over everything. <laughs> 38 years later, finally the day came. I'll share more about the story in the weeks to come, but it actually ends kind of sad because Moses comes so close and he missed out on the promise. And Robert says, God takes him to the mountain and has a personal funeral with him. Nobody knows where he's buried even to the day. They never were able to find his body. I could preach that because Elisha was buried and they threw a dead body in there with them. And the Bible said the dead body touched Elisha's bones and bounced back to life. And if a dead body could be brought back to life from Elisha's bones, imagine how powerful Moses' bones were. The Bible literally said there was a war over Moses' body. The devil was trying to find out where Moses was at. <laughs> and God has a personal funeral with him, just him and his best friend. The one he will be face to face with. He said, Moses... I'm going to let you see it, but you can't go in it. But there's one. There's one. I want you to lay your hands on him, Moses. He says, Moses, it ain't your first time. It ain't his first time getting hands laid on him. Because every time you would leave the tent, he would stay. And the Bible says, Joshua got to this wall. And the only thing standing before him in this promise was the wall. It was a big wall. The wall of Jericho. And now, Joshua's 40 years older. He was 40 when he was staying back at the tent. Now he's 80. And the Bible says he looks at this wall. And he prays. And the angel shows up. And he says, oh. <laughs> he said, are you for me or against me? And the angel said, neither. I'm for the word of God, which tells me my obedience determines if heaven backs me or not. And the angel said, this is what I want you to do. You guys are going to march around the wall. I can't wait for week four of this series. I'm going to really dig into this. But he said, I want you to march around the wall. One time for six days, seven times on the last day, 13 times in all. And after the last time, I want you to shout at the wall. And the Bible says, the people of God shouted. You'll never believe what happened. The wall came down. I want to tell you something. I'm going to pray for you. I really felt like today I was supposed to pray for you because I believe that you're about to get an impartation, a beginning, a burning bush moment. This won't be everything because it's up to your appetite if you want what he places inside of you to continue to grow. But this is what I want to tell you. The wall didn't come down because they shouted. The reason I know that is because many of you have gone to church and shouted and walls didn't come down before. Walls come down when tents go up. It wasn't just the fact that it shouted. It's the fact that the shout had been processed with an impartation. Because the one who told them to shout has spent time with God. We want impact without intimacy. And the only reason, I, this is a challenge to you, to you, to you watching online. I really believe that the only reason there's some walls still standing in your family is because you skipped the tent. You're not a bad person. You did everything in your power to make sure that your children had what you never had. You graduated high school and said, man, my kids will never have a Christmas like that. I'm going to make sure my kids are never going to get picked on like me. So I'm going to work myself tirelessly to make sure they have more than me there's nothing wrong with your work ethic but the enemy don't mind you being busy <laughs> he minds you skipping the tent I was just sharing with somebody recently I said man the scariest people those who have the biggest threat over them are those who work for God because we're replaced working for him with living with him and say, because I did this for you, I could skip my prayer time. 
God is calling us back to the tent. Come on, would you stand with me in this room? He's calling us back to the tent. Big moves come from small meetings. You want to be powerful? You want to be who he's called you to be? I believe we're all created to be superheroes. <laughs> I believe we're all created to walk in authority and, and to see miracles happen. This is what I believe in my heart. I don't believe Jesus went through all of that so that you could be weak. I believe he designed you fearfully and wonderfully to, to stand out, to have authority. But it does not happen without the tent. I want to pray for you to have an impartation with the Holy Spirit. The same God who met with him face to face. This is my prayer for you today. First, I want to give an opportunity to those who are far from him. You're far from this Jesus. You've been seeing us run around and jump and dance and sing and preach. And you felt something happening, but you couldn't describe what it was. Can I tell you? The feeling has a name. His name is Jesus. He wants you. He still, he still, he still shows up. He's near to the brokenhearted. And he still shows up. You, there's, there's more grace in him than they're sending you. He still shows up. And you're here today. You're far from him. Before anybody leaves, I want to give you an opportunity to receive this Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. You're watching online or you're listening to this podcast and you're far from him. This is your moment to give him your heart. You can't fix yourself. You need him. And he's ready to pull you close. If that's you, I'm going to count the three. Hands are going to go up all around this room like it does every week. Make sure your hand is one of them. Be accounted for. I'm giving them my heart for the first time or the first time in a long time. You ready? It's your moment. One, two, three. Lift that hand high. Come on. Hands are up everywhere. Lift it high. Lift it high. I'm proud of you, man. Come on. I see you, baby girl. Come on. Lift it high. Wave at me. I'm giving them my heart. I'm giving them my heart. Come on. I'm not ashamed. I want to be right with Jesus. I see you. I want to be right with Jesus. I see you. I see you. I want to be right with Jesus. I'm proud of you, man. Hey, right where you are, right where you are, right where you are. Lift that hand. We're going to pray together. You're not alone. We're going to pray together. Repeat after me real loud. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you got up so I don't have to stay down. I receive you today as my Lord and my Savior. I am changed. I'm different. You are my Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Clap your hands. Come on, come on, come on. Hey. Hey, thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to commit your life to this Jesus that you've been hearing about, pray this simple prayer with me. God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you got up so that I don't have to stay down. Come into my heart. Change me forever from the inside out. I'm saved. I am different. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed this prayer for the first time or even if you rededicated your life today, I'm so proud of you and you're not alone. Go now to forwardcity.tv slash brand new. We'd love to hear from you. Remember that in Christ your past is gone, your future is waiting. So move forward. Love you.